Psalm 119. Psalm 119, starting in verse number 1, the Bible says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep His testimonies and that seek Him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity, they walk in His ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep Thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep Thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all Thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me, not utterly. Brother uh, Markel, would you please ask the Lord to bless the preaching this morning? Um, thank you, Lord God, for uh, getting us all here. Um, I know that uh, some people are here and have a hard time getting here, you know, for physical reasons or whatever, but thank you, Lord, for Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Look at verse number 2, and you see the second half of that verse. It says, and that seek Him with the whole heart. That seek Him with the whole heart. You got a lot of lingo today in church talking about leaning into Jesus. Well, what exactly does that mean? Talking about, you know, pursuing God. Okay, that sounds really spiritual and fancy and fluffy, but what does that mean? talking about Jesus all the time and love all the time, but let's define this stuff. How do I know that I have the right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? How do I know? Not, not, not my feelings. There's a lot of religious people out there. There's a lot of religions out there. How, do I, how does Mike Reagan know for sure this morning that I'm doing what God would have me to do, that I'm walking with Jesus Christ, that I know the truth, that I know the Lord. How can I be sure of that? Can I sit in some church service and have some guy that's got a lot of emotion to him, believe it or not? People think I'm unemotional. Just because I don't cry all the time, unless I'm preaching, doesn't mean I'm not emotional. Guy that's got a lot of of zeal or drive or whatever it is like burning in his guts and he's like wow he's really emphatic and he's really aggressive and he's really like but I really moved in the service okay great you were moved in the service that that's wonderful but how do you know you weren't just caught up in somebody else's emotions has anybody ever watched a movie in here that you enjoyed yes sir. I sat there and started like crying and it wasn't real yeah. the guy didn't die everything is fine but you're sitting there crying because you're feeling this poor woman and these poor children who lost their father and the dog is dead. <laughs> we heard all about Bambi by a couple of little kids in the church this week. Just, oh, oh Bambi, get, get, get up, Bambi, get up. And there's all this emotion in the two-year-old, like, or three, whatever she is, like, get up, Bambi, get up. Her daddy was saying, get up. We're like, really? We just got her going. We were going to start crying with her. It's Bambi. But I felt it. See that? Mm. How do I know 
that it's the Lord showing me the truth and speaking to my heart and that I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that means something. That's right. That's good. I had some young guy ask me not long ago, and we didn't really know each other very well, and I, I like him. Nice guy. I know he's not saved. I want him to get saved. And as we were talking, he said, uh, he was ex-military, so the subject of, because uh, he asked me about my years or whatever, and so the subject just kind of went there, you know, and so he said, he was talking about, we were discussing PTSD because of his military experience, and he said, have you ever tried mushrooms? <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. I, literally, I love it. You know why I love it? Because he has no idea who he's talking to. And I wait for my opportunity because I, I get to know him and, and it's like, I think we actually are kind of friends. I think he actually, like, we like each other, you know what I mean? Like, hey man, how you doing? Hey, good to see you again. How you been? <laughs> I said, no, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't do that stuff. I said, I don't need any of that. And then he started getting kind of defensive, you know, all this stuff. How do you know you didn't just have an experience? Oh, there's, it's therapeutic, man. Yeah, but was that gone? Is that the Holy Spirit? Is that real healing? Or is that opening up doorways and pathways into another world? Is that messing with your mind and the chemicals in your brain and all the rest of that stuff to open you up to? Do you know what it's opening you up to? You understand what I'm saying this morning? You know what I want for you? I want you to seek the right God. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, three in one. Lord, that's God the Father. Jesus, that's Him manifest in the flesh. Christ, that's the anointed, that's the Spirit. Whose image you're made into, by the way. You got a body, a soul, and a spirit. I want you to seek the right one, the God of the Bible, and I want you to know from the Bible that you got the right one. Interesting to me, in the heart of that book, you got a psalm written, and there's 22 sections there because there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and every one of those sections starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet all the way down through there. You know what God's saying? He's saying, if you want to know me, I'm going to show myself to you in my words. Remember the Urim and the Thummim in the Old Testament that they put on the breastplate of the priests, and it had 12 rocks on it? And they go to pray, and those rocks would light up. You know what those rocks represented as they lit up? And as those colors moved, a miraculous thing for God did for the Jews in the Old Testament doesn't apply to you. You know what God was doing? He was giving them different letters and he was speaking to them in words. Miraculously. You guys realize where the Ouija boards come from? I've told you before, haven't I? That the devil, haven't I mentioned to you the devil mimics everything God does? Everything. God's got a Christ, the devil has a Christ. God has a church, the devil has a church. God has a bride, the devil has a bride. God has a book, the devil has a book. God has religions. God has pure religion undefiled. <laughs> the devil has false religions. Isn't that weird? You know how God was speaking to them in the Old Testament? Through his words. You know, I cannot emphasize importantly to you enough. I don't know how to dig deep enough, express it well enough. I don't know how to pray enough. I can't express it to you unless the Holy Ghost of God does the importance of the Word of God in your life. You have got to know that Bible. You got this Instabook face? <laughs> right? Twitter or X Twitter or whatever. 
You, you, know, what, you know what that is, right? Twitter. We, we, we've tied that into Ecclesiastes where a bird of the air tells a matter. Interesting that they choose a bird as their emblem. And it's all about words. It's all about telling matters. I could preach there, but I'm trying not to. I've got stuff to say. I doubt any grown adult that's married that posts stuff on their Facebook about their personal life and fights they're having with their spouse to get a bunch of twits to comment on what they're saying. And if you comment on that stuff without knowing details, without sitting them down individually and talking about the thing, you know what, you know what takes time to get to the root of issues? You don't just hear one side of the story and believe everything that's said. But that's the world you're living in. It's a fake world. It's a world of a bunch of assumptions. It's a world of a bunch of talking and very little truth. You guys know what Twitter, now, now it's X, right? Is that the same thing? You know what that's all about, right? X marks the spot. It's so that you can figure out what twit is now dating your ex. <laughs> what good did that do you? What difference does it make? I mean, fellas, if your ex is dating some twit, send him money to take her out on a date. Don't you want him to keep her? <laughs> don't bring her back. You know, you could have her. I don't want to know what's going on. I, I, I see you see here's the thing let me let me just say this and, and we'll get into the message here here's the thing I don't have time to know what's going on I don't have time to scroll through all of your lives and then all your friends lives and then everything that connects me to and hooks me up with so the devil can lead my mind my thoughts my heart all the way back to stuff I want to leave in the past but I'm up to here with people saying I'd like to read my Bible more but I don't have time well, it's because you got your face in the Instabook face. And if you got your face out of Instabook face and got your face into the book of God, you'd have time for the Bible. But the devil's done a great job of giving you witty inventions to get everything in your mind, everything in your heart, everything in your soul, everything in your emotions, everything and influence in your life other than God and his word. He does not want that Bible in you. No matter what, he'll stop at nothing. So he gets you addicted Literally, our nation is full of addicts to something that actually triggers stuff in your brain through the lighting and the technology. It's brilliantly, evilly genius, and you're addicted to it. Can I help you teenagers out a little bit? My heart goes out to you guys. It's a different world. It was hard enough for me, however many years ago now, long time ago now. It's hard enough. I can't imagine what you guys have to go through. The devil's after your minds and your hearts. He wants you to always be comparing yourself to other people on the internet, and that's not reality. If you tune out of that, that iPad, that iPhone, that computer, and everything else you've got going on, and, and just pause the video game for a few minutes. I'm not trying to say don't play video games ever. I'm not trying to say you've got to throw away your cell phone, but if you just put it down for a few minutes, you could read your Bible cover to cover within 12 months. And the average individual, it would take 15 minutes a day. Don't tell me you don't have time. I don't want to hear it. I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you. I don't want to think the thoughts I'm going to think when you say that. I don't, I, I don't know why people think preachers are stupid. I don't have time to come to church. Okay, but you have time for everything else. I wasn't feeling good. Yeah, you were feeling good enough to go to the family get-together. 
whatever, and whatever. I'm not being mean. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to ask you to think this morning. You realize what you got going on here is something super, super, super powerful. Something so powerful that Almighty God put this thing in eternity past. Forever, O Lord, is thy word settled in heaven. And then he took the time and the effort and the energy to slowly but surely over hundreds, thousands of years to gradually lay out into a book form the words of Almighty God because he loves you and cares about your soul and cares about your life and cares about your emotions and cares about your psyche. Hey, God loves you. That's why he gave you a book. And then he gives you a church. And he gives you a pastor that he says, I want you to give him my words because he loves you. And then we disregard our Bibles. We find it boring. We find it something that's not a priority for our lives. I want you to see why the devil wants to make sure that you don't make it a priority. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Keep your finger in Psalm 119 because we're coming back in a minute here. I want you to see this book. I just, I'm sorry, I got to the subject of the Bible. And I don't know of very many subjects at all that I get more passionate about than my Bible. I just can't think of very many. I mean, isn't Jesus Christ supposed to have the preeminence? Right? Okay. What did he do with his word? He magnified it above all his name. And then we downplay the Bible. You got churches full of people this morning that are sitting in church without even carrying a Bible in. Are you in Hebrews chapter 4? Look at verse 12. For the Word of God, see the small w, is quick. <laughs> it forces mass times acceleration. Did you know that? That's why you can take a tiny little bullet and you can kill somebody with it. You know how you do it? It's not much. There's not much mass there. You can hold that thing in your hand and it's nothing. You accelerate it. That's force. It'll punch right through your chest and right out your back. It's powerful. You know what he's saying? The Word of God is quick and powerful. Well, the Bible's not relevant and if we preach the Bible, nobody will come to church. No, if you preach the Bible, you'll grow slow and steady because that's the way God dispensed His Word. It's the way God works. It's the way God grows His people. So it's the way God grows local churches. And so sometimes the Lord slows them down a little bit as we've observed in our own experience recently. That's okay. That's the way God works. That's how God grows oak trees. Maybe He wants the root system a little deeper. You give Him the Bible and the Bible will work. It just won't work fast. And what that means is that the preachers and the pastoral staff salaries don't go fast. Hello? But God's working. It's a quick, powerful book. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. He said that book, that book you guys have in your lap, that thing you're holding, the thing you're looking at, those pages that are getting old. He says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And what that Bible does is it pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. What happened to you when you got saved? You got the circumcision made without hands. Where God cut your 
now saved soul away from your sinful flesh. It literally happened inside of you, even though you couldn't see it if you're born again. If you're not born again, your soul is still attached to your flesh. That means you're completely defiled inside and out by sin. Saved people are not any better than lost people. We're just forgiven. And he cut that soul away from that flesh, according to the book of Colossians, by the circumcision made without hands. In the putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, when the Spirit of God came in you to quicken you who were dead in trespasses and sins, and now you're saved. You see that? The Bible did that. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God. That's why you need somebody to take a Bible and show you chapter and verse, chapter and verse, chapter and verse on what it means to know for sure if you die today, you're going to heaven. Because if you haven't gotten that, you don't know that you're saved. You can't sit here and say, well, I accepted Jesus and I just, you know, I was growing up raised in church. I was raised in a Christian home and God worked in my life and I was searching for God sitting out in the woods in my deer blind and, and the wind blew, my hair rustled and I was like, oh, I could feel it all over my body. I was tingling everywhere and I just knew it was God. He'd been speaking to me since I was a kid and this feeling came over me like, where is your authority for any of that? Don't you know a demon could have done the same thing to you? Doesn't the Bible tell you that Satan appears himself as, a, as, a, as an angel of light? He doesn't show up with horns and a tail. He shows up as an angel of light. And his ministers, God has ministers, so does the devil. But they don't get up in the pulpit and say, come on up here and let's have some mushrooms together and let's shoot some heroin. And let's, no, 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 no. They get up there and say, no, Jesus loves us all. And he loves you just like you are. And just lean into Jesus. No mention of eternity in the lake of fire. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. No mention of the fact that you're a sinner, depraved, without God, without hope. You're going to split hell wide open because you deserve it. You can't tell them that stuff because they won't give. Well, I care more about your soul than I care about your cotton-picking money. You know what you need to know? You need to know what the Bible says about your soul, not religion. That book will do the job. And of the joints and marrow, what a weird one. And as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, the Bible defines the joints and the marrow. It's in the bones. Now, now go over with that thought in mind. Go to the book of Job. Right before Psalms. Go to Job and get chapter 40. Job chapter 40. It's a chapter in the Bible talking about the devil. And I want you to see something. Job chapter 40 and verse 18. I'm wanting you to see how important the Bible is. Job 40, 18. His bones are as strong pieces of brass. The Bible can pierce the joints and the marrow. It can pierce the bone. The devil's bones are as strong as a piece of brass. His bones are like the bars of iron. I don't have time to run the references, but iron throughout the Bible is a type of devils and demonic spirits. He is the chief of the ways of God. He that made him can make his sword to approach to him. Mm-hmm. Hebrews chapter 4 says it's quick and it's powerful and it's sharp. God that created Lucifer can take this sword and he can conquer the devil with it. You understand why the devil doesn't want you in this Bible? Because he's got plans for your life and those plans have nothing to do with you being used of the Lord Jesus Christ and getting to know the Lord better. 
Those plans have to do with destroying you and keeping you away from your walk with Jesus Christ and lulling you to sleep with pleasure and the American dream and fun and everything else because this book is so powerful, Satan doesn't want you in it. Because the Bible has the power to give you the victory over the devil. You need this book. I want you to see another passage. You should go over with me to the book of Jeremiah, please, and then we'll get back in Psalm 119. Go over to Jeremiah, if you would, please. I believe it's chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23, and I want you to see verse number 9. I mentioned recently in one of my messages that I'm exhausted with my peers. And what I meant by that was not the Bible-believing guys that are out there, because there's a lot of them. What I meant by it was the other preachers in the, in the churches around this country that don't care to give people God's words. That don't know what it means to rightly divide the word of truth. That don't care to give truth. That don't care to preach anymore. I'm exhausted with them trying to tell you that you need to be in church because the church needs you. Exhausted with them trying to manipulate you into their churches to try to give you by giving you positions and a title and appealing to your ego rather than trying to get you in church to feed you the Word of God. I'm exhausted with it. And I'm tired of people taking the bait because my heart goes out to average people just looking for God, stumbling into a, quote, church somewhere, unquote, and then thinking that they got the truth. Verse 9, Isaiah 23, 9, My heart within me is broken because of the prophets. All my bones shake. I'm like a drunken man and like a man whom wine hath overcome because of the Lord and because of the words of His holiness. Look at verse 14. I've seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hands of evildoers that none doth return from his wickedness. So now, and under the name of Jesus, they're hanging out rainbow flags and trans flags and all the rest of that stuff under the name of Jesus. Hey, if you're a homo or a trans, you're welcome to come hear the gospel preached. Don't you dare ask us to compromise the gospel and the truth of what the Bible says about sin to, to, to <laughs> patronize you. Amen. Not going to happen. You wouldn't want me to do it for a rapist. You wouldn't want me to do it for an adulterer. You wouldn't want me to do it for a drug addict. You wouldn't want me to do it for a child molester. You wouldn't want me to do it for a liar. You, wouldn't want, you certainly wouldn't want me to do it for some self-righteous Christian. You know, those goody-goody pharisaical Christians rip their heads off, preacher. Yay, man! But you want us to do it for your sin. Sin is sin, man. Period. I didn't write the rule book. I preach it. What do they do? They strengthen the hands of evildoers. Boy, God will give a double damnation to those guys. That none doth return from his wickedness. I want your life changed. By the blessing and by the power and by the breath of Almighty God, I want a difference in your life. That's what the Lord wants to produce. They are all them unto me as Sodom and the inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. See it? So I wasn't on a line a minute ago. I was right in line with the text. Look at verse 16. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain, empty, that's vanity. 
They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. They're not giving you the Bible. You have a responsibility not to listen to a man that won't preach the Bible to you. I don't care if he's speaking in the name of Jesus. If he's not giving you the word of God, shut him off. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Verse 18. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and hath perceived and heard his word? Who hath marked his word and heard it? Verse 21, I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. You're not called to preach and you go claim you're called to preach. You're opening yourself up to the devil. I've not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words. You see that, folks? It's not the general message. It's the words, the letters. The jot, the tittle, the every little thing. Every word of God is pure. Every word of God is perfect. It's, it's all of that entirety of every detail. It's not the general. Where'd you get that from the Bible? You got to pay thousands of dollars to go to the cemetery or seminary to get that kind of foolishness. God said, I want you to make sure they hear my words. Then they should have turned them from their evil way, from the evil of their doings. My, my words, my book will change them. My book will help them. You don't have to pressure them. Just get up and pour your soul out. Just get up and preach the Bible to them. Just get up and set yourself on fire and let them watch you burn for Jesus Christ. But you don't have to micromanage them. I'll do the work. Give them the word. Verse 23, am I a God at hand? saith the Lord and not a God afar off. Can any man hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? Saith the Lord, do not I fill heaven and earth. That's why you walk into church on Sunday morning and you sit down in a church like this where the Bible is opened and preached and the amount of testimonies that come back my way I can't keep up with. Like, we were talking about that on the way here. What are you, a psychic? We, we, I went through that this week. The amount of testimonies that I've heard, that means you multiply that number by what? 10, 20, 30? Because there's a lot of people not saying anything about how God spoke to them from the book when we came in and preached the book on Sunday morning. And that doesn't even go for it. I've really been struggling with that sin and you nailed that one. Like, no, I'm not a psychic. No, I'm not following you around. No, I'm not even on social media on purpose. So you don't walk in on Sunday morning and think, well, he's preaching at me because of my social media. There's an omnipresent God who's not only afar off, but he's also at hand. He fills heaven and earth. He fills this room. He knows your mind. He knows your life. He knows your struggles. He knows your issues. And what he does with his word is he comes with that book and he pierces deep and the conviction hits and he starts dividing asunder. He's a surgeon. It's a two-edged sword. You take what side of that sword you want. It's either the surgeon's scalpel to get the damage out of you and heal you and help you. Or it's a sort of judgment. And you make the choice on which thing that sword is to you. And God wants you having that book. He wants the word of God in you. He says in verse 25, I've heard what the prophets say. 
that prophesied lies in my name, saying, I've dreamed a dream. How long shall it be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor. As their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal, the prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? That's what the Bible will do. Why do you got to preach the way you preach? You don't have to preach the way I preach. I know great preachers that aren't quite as, shut them off! Okay, now I'm not gonna. Well, that's because you got a rebellious little heart, that's all. I'll come into your life and make you do what I think you should do. I'm trying to get a point through to your head that you should shut them off. Why do you preach the way you preach? Because I'm me. And I've figured out over the years how God uses me and I'm going to be myself. I'm sorry about that. I'm asking God to change me, to mold me to his image, but I preach the way I preach because it's just the way I preach. And it's the way God created me and it's the way he's taught me and I'm doing what God wants me to do the way God wants me to do it the best I know how for today. There's other guys that don't do it the same way. As long as they're giving you the word of God, they can stand here with their glasses on the tip of their nose and read their notes and be very intellectual. Not mocking it. As long as they're giving you the word of God. That's what's important to the Lord because that Bible has the power to break the rocks in pieces. Look at verse 32. Behold, I'm against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and do tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and their lightness. Their lightness. Jumping on trampolines in church to entertain the people. Swinging in on a great big ball, hanging off a chain to entertain the people. Being the class clown. Why do you wear a suit? I never told you you have to wear a suit. You know what I like about this place? You got suits in here, and then you got polos and, and shorts and sun on, in, in, in the summer days. Don't come in here in those weird short shorts, dudes. <laughs> you stinking, you can see the door, amen? You know why? You're individuals. You're not in a cult. You know why I wear a suit? Because what I'm doing ain't light. It ain't just another day in the, at, the, at the gym. It ain't just another day at Walmart. I'm not walking in here with a hoodie on and some skinny jeans and my tennis shoes with the tongues hanging out or whatever else, a bright colored stuff. I, I struggle just wearing my, my light colored, what do we call it, my Kenneth Copeland suit, the, white, the light colored one. I struggle wearing that. The burgundy one's okay, but I had to, I had to struggle through because it's a little too bright. I don't want to be like coming off like I'm trying to draw attention to me. What I'm doing is serious. And since you've blessed me and allowed me to wear my burgundy suit and my Kenneth Copeland suit, I'll keep wearing them, amen? <laughs> if I go somewhere else, I don't wear them. I don't want to send the wrong message. I, I take what I'm doing very, 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 very seriously, and God expects me to. Because what we're talking about is eternity. We're talking about God. We're talking about truth. We're talking about the direction of your life. The only way to be able to judge that accurately is by knowing this book. Go to Psalm 119. Now, I spent a lot of time on an introduction for a long chapter. So let me give you my three points out of this first section and how the Bible will impact your life and how to seek the Lord. 
Because we're talking about seeking Him with the whole heart in verse number 2. And how we know we actually got the truth. You've got to seek Him from the book. Notice, first of all, the Bible will put you on the right path. Verse 1, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. How do you know you're on the right path? How do you know you're walking in the law of the Lord? Well, you rightly divide the word of truth and you know what that means. You understand the difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament and you know what that means. You understand the difference between the church and Israel, the church and the tribulation, the church and the millennium, even though the tribulation and the millennium are both detailed throughout the New Testament, you understand as rightly dividers what applies to you doctrinally and what doesn't. And you know every one of you broke the law. And you know you can't fulfill the law. And you know the law is a curse to keep you under bondage. And you know Christ came to do what? Not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And you know your righteousness is in Jesus Christ. How do you know that? You got it from the book. The Bible will put you on the right path. And Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Him. You say, how could it be so simple that it's by grace, through faith, it's a gift that I just got to receive, plus nothing, minus nothing. I mean, my work's got to be in there somewhere. It can't be that easy. If it's so easy, why are you having such a hard time taking it? Yes. It ain't easy. And the devil does not want you to understand the simplicity of what Jesus Christ did for you and what it means to be saved. Yeah. Yeah. you got to be able to get over your pride and your own feelings that I got to do it and I got to make sure and I got to prove it and I, gotta, and I knew people that believe like you believe and live like the devil... Yeah, that's exactly how the devil worked too, wouldn't it? He'd take some backslidden Christian that's just far away from God as they could possibly be because that Christian didn't get in the Bible and stay in the Bible and the devil got advantage in their life because that's what he wants to do once you're saved to destroy you. And he's going to take that person and rub them in your face so you'll walk away from Jesus Christ based on what some sinful person did. Or he's going to take somebody who made some kind of profession of faith or whatever or claims to be saved that never even got saved and rub them in your face so you'll throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. We've had four babies. And they make bathwater nasty. But we always kept the baby. <laughs> we threw away the diaper and we kept the kid. You're throwing away salvation. You're throwing away eternity because of somebody's dirty diaper. Shame on you. You ought to have more sense than that. You ought to be more mature than that. You ought to be able to think through better than that, educated Americans. You, you know, knowing everything, we all this knowledge. I'll just Google it. You know, you know so much, but you can't figure that much out. I'm not being mean to you. I'm not knocking you. I'm not being, I'm make, trying to make you think. I want to rattle your cage a little bit to get you to think a little bit because I genuinely care about your soul. The Bible will put you on the right path and that path is clearly the Lord Jesus Christ and without Him, you can do nothing. But it doesn't just put you on the right path. It keeps you on the right path. Look at verse 4. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. You know what God told the kings back in Deuteronomy 17 of Israel? He said, I want you to write a copy of that law. And I want you to read that thing daily. Because that Bible will keep you from messing up. 
You know what keeps you on the right path? The Word of God. You cannot keep yourself on the right path. You are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Every last one of you ought to be in your Bible, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays. We beat that thing half to death. I've tried to make sure that I emphasize and reemphasize and overemphasize what church is all about. I'm excited about having that older kids Sunday school class opened up. I'm excited about the youth conference and camp. I'm excited about all that's going on and all the rest of that stuff, but all that stuff ain't what church is about. I, I believe this with all my heart. Even though I'm your pastor, I believe my best friends are in this room. Now, if we're best friends, how come we're not hanging out on Friday night? Because it don't work that way, okay? But I really believe my best friends are in this room. You know what happens when I can't fix my sink? When I cannot figure out what goes wrong with my sink? I make phone calls to some guys in this room. And I always say, hey, walk me through this. And they're always like, I'll come over. And I'm like, just let me see if I can do it myself first because I don't want to take advantage of it. You know what happens when my furnace at 5.30 in the morning is clicking on, running for 30 seconds and clicking off on its own, and then I'm going to turn it back on a minute later, I'm standing on its cold air's coming out, and I'm like, what in the world's going on? I call guys in this room, and I know what's going to happen. Hey, man, I know you're an early bird. How do I know a guy's an early bird? We've really gotten to know each other that well. I know when he gets up in the morning, and I can be sure that he's up already. That's why I put my phone on silent. I want to get through my Bible reading before some of you early birds start going, I know you get up early. Not today. I was finally sleeping in. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you know who I call? Guys in this room. You know what they say? Hey, preacher, when's the last time you changed your filter? Those new furnaces won't keep working if there's too much pressure and they can't push through the filter. <laughs> you know what happens when my car breaks down? I call guys in this room. You know what happens when I leave town? If something happens, my wife's got a list of numbers she could call that somebody can come and help her out no matter what. My best friends are right here in this room. You know what we would do if we were in a serious, serious jam and we needed help? We'd go to you. I know, I know right where I could, I know where my real friends are. And they're sitting in this room. But that's not what church is about. You know what church is about? You are looking at a man who owes everything he has. To this book. You know where I met her? I met her at Bible college. I owe my marriage of 21 years to this book. You know what's kept me at it? Because I know me, and I'm not trying to be dramatic or debase myself inappropriately. I'm just telling you the truth. I know Mike Reagan. I would not be married today if I hadn't stayed in this book. Because I would have ruined it, not because of her. Because of me. I got four daughters. I have all four of those girls. Because of this book. You know why you're sitting here and I have a church family and I'm able to pay my mortgage in a couple days? You know why we got food on our table at home and I got this suit right here? You got me this for my birthday. 
the shirt's about five years old, but the, ja the, the jacket, you can finally wear the shirt again because I had a jacket to go with it. Thank you. You understand what I'm saying? Everything I got is not because Mike Reagan's anybody special. It's not because I have anything you don't, I have something you don't have. It's because of this book. You got one of these? If you don't have one, you can get one before you leave here. We got them that we give away. Because that's how important it is for you to have it in your life. And this book will keep you in this book. That's why the devil don't want you to read your Bible. That's why he wants you so distracted with your smartphone, you don't have time for your Bible. The Bible not only puts us on the right path, but it prepares us to walk the right way. Look at verse 3. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You guys remember Abraham back in Genesis 24 when he sends his servant to go find a bride for his son Isaac? Yes, sir. Remember the, remember the story? And so what, what the servant is doing is the master told him, I want you to go do this job. Where am I going? What am I doing? Just, just get going. And so he's out trying to do what the master wanted him to do. And as he's, this is what he said in the text, as I was in the way, the Lord directed. Everybody wants to know what the secret is for my life, my future, my calling, how this and that. And I, nobody can give you that. We don't have a Urim and a Thummim to light up for us or a Ouija board to tell you what's going to happen. Tarot cards. That stuff's as wicked as hell. Stay away from it. He gave you a miracle in that book. And you know what God does? God grows his people, his church, and his work slowly. You guys remember Brother Peacock saying that when he was here? He said, never one time in your Bible you find Jesus running anywhere. You guys ever notice how EMS guys or, or cops and all that stuff move? How often do you guys run, panic? You'll move quick if you need to move quick, but generally speaking, they're always walking up on the scene and they're evaluating everything and they're kind of like de-escalating all the panic. You ever notice that? Sure. There's a purpose. They're maintaining control of the situation. But everybody's always in a rush all the time. Folks, God's not in a rush. He doesn't tell us what the future holds. Obviously, he's not in a rush, because if I had it my way, Seven years ago, we would have been done with that. You, you don't know Mike Reagan. You just, you trust me. It's like, make it happen. Don't give me your stinking excuses. Get her done, okay? Let's just make this happen. And if you're not going to make it happen, I'll do it without you. That's my mentality. And I've had to learn that the Lord doesn't operate that way. I don't want, I've got ahead of God before. I don't ever want to do it again. It's bad. You know what you got to do? You got to be in the way. Because as Abraham's servant was in the way, God set up his path and he found a wife for Isaac. You know what you're supposed to be doing? Walking in the law of the Lord. Stay in the book. Stay in church that's preaching the book. Keep allowing God to mold you to the shape of the book. And you know what the Lord will do? while you're in the way, he'll set up your steps. I could have never strategized my life, although I tried. I could have never figured out how I would wind up here, pastoring this church, starting from scratch. 
that, that to me was just, I went to Bible college originally, the Bible college that I went to, and I was, I was a little bit older than all the other freshmen because I had been backslidden and resisting the call to preach. I didn't want to follow the call to preach. I'm sitting in Bible college, and they talk in some of the classes with the preacher boys about, you know, what you're going to do, what you think God wants you to do. And I'd hear them all say, I want to be a Baptist church planner. And I honestly used to give them dirty looks. <laughs> no wonder I got the reputation of being the rebel at Bible college. Because I'd been in church where everybody left, and there's just eight people left, and I've seen them split and go all the way down and start over again. The awkwardness of showing up with just like almost nobody in church. I'd been there, done that, I'd seen it, I'd grown up around it, and I wanted nothing to do with starting a church. Sure. thought, that is stupid. There's enough churches out there that need pastors that are dying. I'd rather go find something like that. But you know, it's easier to give birth than raise the dead. God knew that. I could have never strategized it. I ran from this place. I grew up around here. I didn't want to be here. You know what I was doing, though, when I was at Bible college? And I'm not bragging on myself, please. I sure hope I don't come across wrong. Mike Reagan's not the focus of this thing. I've made a lot of really bad decisions in my life, but there's a few decisions I, I don't regret. I recommend them to you. I set out to figure out exactly where the Word of God was. Being in all the classes, you know, that teach the original languages and all this stuff, and being told that the Word of God is in the originals, I went out and I bought a stack of all those other translations and I'd get up early in the morning and I'd go down to the hallway underneath the steps, like kind of like exit where the dormitories were and exit out there to the exit area and get underneath the steps early in the morning, 4, 4.30 in the morning when nobody else was up and put that stack of Bibles and my Greek New Testament in there and my King James Bible and I'd pray over them. God, I want the right one. I don't care what the truth is. If it's the Greek, I will donate my life to learn the Greek so that I know I have the words of God. I don't care what anybody thinks of me. I, I, I'm telling God this. I don't care what anybody thinks of me. To blazes with the whole world's opinion, I know I'll get persecuted for this one. But if the King James Bible's not it, show me what's it. Greatest decision of my life. You know what I was doing? I was pursuing the truth. And my heart really, genuinely, the best I know how, wanted the truth. My mom says, on a phone call, she said, hey, do you remember Jim Lentz? I said, yeah. She said, he's only about an hour and a half from you. You should call him and ask him because he'll give you the other side. She started calling Brother Lentz. And he'd say, well, here's what you need to do, man. Go, get out his Greek New Testament. And he'd say, turn your ears. Let me show you this. Let me show you that. Now, go into your class and ask your professor this question. Brother Lentz was a red-headed German, Vietnam veteran, Marine Corps, troublemaker, <laughs> mischievous, earned doctor's degree with dyslexia, hard-working guy, great preacher, the kind of guy that if he said, put on your gasoline britches, we're charging hell, you'd be like, all right, man, let's go. <laughs> Rather go out on a stretcher with him than live a comfortable life with a bunch of soft men. That's the kind of guy he was. He'd say, ask your professor this. I'd go in and ask him, and <laughs> I'd call him back. He'd say, all right, man, I'll check this, and I'll go ask him this. <laughs> and he said, call me back for more ammo. That's what he'd say. 
All right, man, call me back for more ammo. I drove all the way over to this church in the mountains to go to a Carolina Classic where Brother Peacock and Brother Massa were preaching. Sat in the back, the only kid in the church in a double-breasted suit, big green double-breasted suit in the mountains in North Carolina. Sat in the back, and man, those boys that believed the Bible, they were my age back then, but those men that believed the Bible and got up and preached it, boy. Brother Peacock just tearing the world apart. Just a fire in his soul for the book. I sat back there and literally my stomach burned because I was just, they just loved the Bible and believed the Bible. You see, what I'm trying to say is all the circumstances I could have never strategized. I left the Bible college and went there because I was getting the Bible there. It was a matter of like, I want to walk in the way. I want to follow the Lord. I want the truth. I want the Bible. Where's the truth? I want to know the God of the universe, the right one. And as I'm pursuing the word of God, God worked out the circumstances of my life in ways I couldn't have worked it out. I had nowhere to live. I was engaged to grace. We dropped out because it's a long story, but we were at a point where we had to or they were going to bounce us. And so we, we went, she went back to her parents in North Carolina and I went to Brother Lentz's. We were four hours apart, engaged to be married. I had nowhere to live. Everything I owned was in a red Dodge Dynasty. It was a cool car, man. When you push the gas, white smoke came out the back end. I told her she always went after me for the car, man. That was what it was. And I was sleeping in a church pew. There ain't nothing creepier than a church pew at night, and there was no windows in the building because they were too poor to put the windows in when they built the building. In the mountains in North Carolina, it was as black as just pitch black. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. Those buildings make noises at night. <laughs> and then Brother Lentz would try to sneak in on me when he got off the midnight shift <laughs> to scare me. I was sleeping with a handgun underneath my pillow. I was that scared. It felt really good to put my head on cold steel and hold a Bible, you know? <laughs> he comes sneaking in on me, and I tried to grab that thing because I freaked out. He's like, hey, like that, just like that. Just come around and that's good. I went, he's like, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> then I really wanted to shoot him, you know. <laughs> Couldn't have worked any of that stuff out. But you know what God did? God said, you want the truth, boy? If you want the truth, I'll give you the truth. And boy, did God ever give me the truth. That man was hard on me, but that man loved me and cared about me and poured his life into me and helped me and taught me the Bible, I had to start all over again for the fourth time in college. 240 undergraduate credit hours to finally get a bachelor's degree. Because he said, none of that stuff transfers. What well, can we transfer? Anybody? He's like, heck no, man, none of that stuff transfers. What are you talking about? Are you going to transfer anything? We teach the Bible here. We don't do, what am I going to do with all those classes? They won't plug into our institute. You've got to start over. He was so concerned about my feelings. <laughs> But I started over from scratch. Folks, I couldn't have worked it out. I couldn't work any of it out. You are here today because a God in heaven honored his words. And that is all there is to it. Older lady said to me, Mike, we need a church back in South Lyon. And I said, you pray about that, sarcastically. She said, I will be. And she did. And here we are. 
you don't have time for all the details. I'm telling you, like I'd have to go till about three this afternoon to fill you in on everything God did over the years. It couldn't have gotten worked out. You can't strategize it. What you can do is you can give your heart and your mind and your soul to that book and ask God for truth and then faithfully one day at a time walk with God and you watch what God does in your life through the power of that book. I'm going to let you go with this last one. Just give me a couple more minutes here. I want you to see one last thing in the passage. In verses 6 through 8, he says, Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Notice the, shall I not be ashamed? When I have, I will praise. I shall have learned. I will keep. See the future tense? Folks, the Bible itself will produce the patience in you to wait for the fruit that comes with the Bible to come. Does that make sense? If you learn, hear me, if you learn to love the truth with your whole heart, if you learn to seek Jesus Christ with your whole heart, They won't listen. I'm not really mad. I'm not losing my temper. I promise. I was playing. They just won't listen this morning. With your whole heart, I promise you, the process of seeking Him, of loving the truth, of learning your Bible, will keep you at it. You won't, oh, I've got to go to church again. Like, we to go to church. I got something. I got something. Wow, wasn't that good? Yeah, that was good. And it's like, it, it energizes itself. You understand what I'm saying? Because it's the Spirit of God walking with you and talking to you and showing you Jesus and changing you. And you're getting results yeah. in your life that are real, that are produced by the Bible. It's not something you're forcing to happen or some preacher's putting pressure on you to get done. The pressure you feel in here is the Holy Spirit of God. I don't put pressure on you. Come on, you could just testify to that if you've been around here a little while because people feel like, I don't want to go to that church. I'm going to get tons of pressure. You're getting pressure from the Holy Spirit in the preaching, not from the preacher personally. I'm not trying to grow you. I'm trying to feed you. He grows you. The Bible itself will give you the patience to produce the fruit slowly with joy. That's the power of that book. How many of you sat in one of your college classes or in your high school class or whatever, elementary, and told the teacher, well, I don't study math because when I read the textbook, I just don't get it. <laughs> right? Like nobody. Nobody that ever amounts to anything in life. Nobody with a real job or anything like that. What do you do? You sit in class. You get what you can get. Hopefully you have a decent teacher that makes a lot of sense and helps. Yeah, you ever had not like history, but then you get a really good history teacher, and now you like history? So pray for your preacher to get better. Hopefully that helps. But you don't cop out of the class just because you don't understand it. You keep coming, you keep learning, and you ask questions, right? A good teacher has time to answer your questions and walk you through it, right? And what happens eventually? You get the information. 
People use that excuse for why they won't get in the Bible. No, the devil's trying to work to keep you away from that book that's going to draw you closer to Jesus Christ and change your life. And change the details and change the circumstances. And God does it through the power of this book. You need your Bible. Let me close with this. There's a poem I memorized when I was back in the Bible college that's always stuck out in my mind. It says, I see my Lord in the book whenever I chance to look. He is the theme of the Bible, the center and heart of the book. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the lily fair. Whenever I open the Bible, the Lord of the Bible is there. He, is, gave, he in the book's beginning gave to the earth its form. He is the ark of safety that bears the brunt of the storm. The burning bush of the desert, the budding of Aaron's rod. Whenever I open the Bible, I see the Son of God. The ram upon Mount Moriah, the ladder from earth to sky, the scarlet cord in the window, the, shepherd, the serpent lifted high. The smitten rock of the desert, the shepherd with staff and crook. Whenever I open the Bible, I see my Lord in the book. He is the seed of the woman, the Savior, virgin born. He is the son of David, whom men rejected with scorn. The Lord of eternal glory, whom John the Apostle saw. The light of celestial city, the lamb without spot or flaw. The bridegroom coming at midnight, for whom his people look. Whenever I open the Bible... I see my Lord in the book. That's why you should seek the truth with your whole heart. Because you can judge your relationship with Jesus Christ based on what he reveals to, him, to you of himself in the book. And he's not going to give you anything you don't want. If you want to see him in the Bible, you've got to ask him, teach me the Bible. Please open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And if you've got a heart to learn about him from that book, he will show you his son in that book. Let's stand this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.